It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton, and this is Raven News. Two more Sitka residents have tested positive for the coronavirus. The Sitka Unified Command announced the positive test results on Wednesday. Both are female residents and received positive test results on Monday, July 20th. One patient is in her 60s and the other is in her 20s. Both have symptoms and are isolating, according to a city press release. Public health officials have initiated contact investigations. That puts the city's cumulative case count at 30, 19 resident cases and 11 non-resident cases. 23 of those cases have recovered. The state of Alaska is reporting 2,600 619 cumulative coronavirus cases. That includes 2,132 resident cases and 487 non-resident cases. Another candidate announced on Wednesday that he's running for the Sitka Assembly. Frank Lee Leo Jimmy filed for one of two open seats on the Sitka Assembly in the October municipal election. Jimmy is the founder of Leo's Hope, an effort to bring a residential drug and alcohol treatment program to Sitka. KCAW will air an interview with Jimmy tomorrow. The two seats expiring on the Sitka Assembly are currently held by Stephen Eisenweiss and Richard Wien. The mayor's seat is also open. Incumbent Gary Paxton filed for re-election earlier this week. The filing period to run for Sitka Assembly is open until August 7th at 5 p.m. Two school board seats are also open. Just 24 hours after the filing period opened for the Sitka Assembly and School Board, Gary Paxton had filed for re-election as Sitka's mayor. While his long-term agenda includes finishing some big projects, in the near term he's been working to roll back some remarks he made at a recent Assembly meeting which many considered racist. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Gary Paxton is wrapping up his two-year term as Sitka's mayor. In those two years, a lot has happened. The city finalized its sale of Sitka Community Hospital to search, went through a dramatic public administrator firing, saw major budget cuts from the state, and now is in the throes of a pandemic. An octogenarian, you'd think Paxton would be considering stepping back from public life, but he says he's not done yet. In short terms, it's unfinished business. I mean, it's been a really turbulent year. A lifelong Sitkin and former city administrator, Paxton graduated from West Point and spent much of his younger years in the military. That influence shows up sometimes at the assembly table when he calls fellow members troops. When he ran for mayor two years ago, his platform was focused on sustainable budget and accessibility. Looking back on his two years in office, he's confident that he and fellow assembly members made a good decision in hiring John Leach for the city administrator post. Uh, John has done an incredible job under an immensely stressful time. I mean, we had enough challenges with the budget, notwithstanding the COVID virus and the state funding. If he wins, one of Paxton's top priorities is getting the Marine haul-out project off the ground. The Assembly recently put the project on pause in the hopes of winning a federal grant to fund it this fall. He's also excited about plans to develop a section of city-owned property out Halibut Point Road. And his mind is on next year's budget with more uncertainty than ever. He's hopeful, too, for federal aid to overhaul the Green Lake Power Station and search his promised hospital expansion, along with other developments that are out of the city's control, but would be crucial to help the city address future budget shortfalls. With a pandemic done next year, we should have a really powerful uh, tourism season that will be helpful in so many ways. And uh, we're two years away, I think, from getting our new Coast Guard cutter. The, the budget and the economy of our town is is, uh, and they're interrelated, is, is going to be the uh, centerpiece of how we move forward. Paxton considers himself apolitical, and his is often the swing vote on divisive items at the assembly table. 
Though as serious conversations around the coronavirus and race in America come to the assembly table with lots of public input, Paxton's comments and his tendency to rush the meetings along has come under heightened scrutiny. At its last meeting, the assembly failed to pass a measure that would have strongly advised Sitkins to wear masks. Paxton was one of four assembly members who voted it down. At the same meeting, he voted in favor of moving the Alexander Baranoff statue. Both items generated substantial public comment, but Paxton wanted to push the meeting forward, saying, quote, succinctness is next to godliness. He's received some criticism for cutting off public comment early. He says while his goal is to run efficient meetings, he accepts the criticism. People in the assembly get criticized routinely for a lot of stuff, and and. And it's not that, you, yeah, I got to be criticized, but that's part of the process. And criticism of Paxton sprung up again after that meeting, when during public comment on the mask order, he admonished David Sam, a tribal elder, from moving the chair in front of the podium in order to stand while he spoke. Here's a recording of that exchange. Put the chair back, son. Put the chair back. Thank you. This is not some kind of a honky-tonk deal here. Put it back. Bongs, please. I'm not going to use it. I'll put it back after I speak. Okay. I asked Paxton if he remembered the incident and how he'd like to respond to people who feel his use of the word son in reference to Sam was racist or problematic. And I've gotten some, uh, some bad feedback about that. Well, I apologize for that. That wasn't my intent. I misinterpreted what I thought his gesture when he, when he moved the chair off to the side. That made me feel really bad because that was not my intent. And uh, I didn't even know I used the word son, but I'm, I don't know why I don't call that. I have no recollection of doing that, but if I did that, that was inappropriate for sure. Paxton later sent an apology email to Sitka Tribe of Alaska Chair Kathy Hope Erickson and General Manager Lisa Gassman. Paxton wrote that a member of the public had explained to him that, quote, Mr. Sam's gesture of moving the chair and standing while he spoke was a sign of respect and apologized to Sam and the tribe. Erickson responded to Paxton, writing that the tense times we're living in may have played into his reaction, but, quote, now more than ever, we each need to be on guard not to overreact and, quote, heaven forbid, insult or denigrate our neighbors. When asked what the Assembly's role is in addressing systemic racism in Sitka, Paxton says he believes there is racism in Sitka and in America, but that doesn't necessarily equate to racist. I don't think we're a racist town. I don't think we're a racist nation. I'm hard-pressed to think of systemic racism, but if there is such a thing, then you need to figure out how to solve it. But moving forward, Paxton says he's willing to listen, and if elected, says he will continue to work in the city's best interest. Try to make good decisions for Sitka as best as I can, based on my experience, my knowledge of the town. I mean, I care about every bit of it, and I think I have Sitka's best interest as Sitka's municipal election is Tuesday, October 6th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. In the interest of transparency, David Sam sits on the board of Coast Alaska, a regional nonprofit that provides administrative, technical, and editorial services to this station. In the weeks leading up to the local election, Raven News will continue to provide coverage of candidate filings and more information about each candidate, including candidate statements and longer interviews, on our website, kcaw.org. When the Neowise Comet started trending online, Alaskans saw it as an opportunity to go comet hunting. But during a time of year when weather conditions mean lots of clouds and rain in Juneau, seeing the comet is a tough game of chance. KTOO's Pablo Pena has more. 
Longtime Junoite Jim Hale considers himself to be an amateur astronomer. He was lucky enough to witness Halley's Comet in 1986 and Hale-Bopp in 1996. He went out to try and see the Neowise Comet last week at Eagle Beach. I was out there past midnight when finally it got dark enough. And I knew about where this comet was supposed to be and I, in relation to the Big Dipper. And I could see the Big Dipper, but just where the comet was supposed to be, the clouds had moved in. <laughs> Hale wasn't so lucky this time around, but stargazers across the continent have been posting photos of the comet as it hurtles through space. Mark Conde, physics professor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, says that the comet is possibly a visitor from the Kuiper Belt, the zone of space outside of the solar system beyond Neptune. And it came as a surprise to astronomers when the Neowise orbiting satellite spotted it on March 27th. Its mission is to look for objects that could potentially threaten Earth. But no need to worry about any cosmic collision. Conde says there's absolutely no chance the comet will hit Earth. It's about 66 million miles away. And when it comes to seeing the comet in Alaska, it's really a game of chance and being at the right place at the right time. Given a relatively clear night, the chances of seeing the comet are better down south than up north, with more darkness in Juno than in Fairbanks. Conde says the best time to see it would be around 2 a.m., and it will be closest to the Earth tonight. And you look carefully below the Big Dipper, you should eventually see a little, sort of a fuzzy little a star that looks kind of fuzzy. And then if you look a bit more carefully and let yourself sort of, you know, let your brain see deep into the sky, you should start to see a tail that's heading um, up and to the right of the comet. Do you know locals Jennifer Karnick and Rob Mayer already caught a glimpse of the comet last week? Karnick says at first they didn't have much hope of seeing it. We're in Juno, never going to see anything, you know, um, kind of given up on it. But then conditions improved. They decided to make the trek out to Eagle Crest on Douglas Island. Wednesday afternoon comes along and the sky starts brightening and the clouds start parting and uh, we watched through the evening and decided around 9 o'clock or so that it was worth at least giving it a try. Karnick and Mayer watched the clouds as they waited. It wasn't until about 11.30 that they could see most of the cloudless sky. You could actually see the comet with your naked eye. I mean, it was just actually in the sky, and I think I yelled. Yeah, that was a slight yell. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited, and the the binoculars picked it up really well. Karnick was able to get a decent shot of the comet with her smartphone through the telescope. Mayer, who's an avid astrophotographer, was able to get a four-second exposure image. I was very happy to at least get three images that were had a, a sharp, perfect focus uh, out of the 40 or so that I took. And it's truly a once-in-a-lifetime photo. According to EarthSky.org, this comet won't return for another 6,800 years. In Juno, I'm Pablo Aras Peña. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is.